Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Yeah, I guess I'm not the only one kind of getting into that intro music. I saw some of your tapping your feet out there. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to week two of our series, The Grudge. Thanks for coming out on this uh, nice balmy morning to uh, hear the Word of God. And I thought, you know, honestly, uh, and, and maybe the crowd would be bigger if it was a different topic, but I thought, this is amazing. People coming out in this weather, not to hear a message on faith, not to hear a message on love, not to hear a message on how God blesses us, but on forgiveness. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, thank you so much for your willingness to do that. But this is week two of our series. We're looking at the topic of forgiveness. We began the series last week with a message titled, Just Let It Go. Just Let It Go. And the big idea or the takeaway from that message was how our lives are too short and our calling is too great to get sidetracked by small offenses. So uh, last Monday, I got a, uh, I got a text from uh, uh, Melissa Sheets, and she was telling me about how Monday morning, taking the kids to school and came up to one of those four-way stops. I think, you know, you know where, and there's a pecking order, right? You know, everyone, wait, wait your turn. You know, wait your turn. Everyone get there at the same time. There's a pecking order, person on your right. Well, apparently someone didn't wait their turn. And uh, Melissa said, without thinking, she blurted out, come on, you got to follow the rules. And Zoe, her fourth grader, sitting in the back seat, started singing, let it go, let it go. Out of the mouth of babes, right? Way to hold her accountable, Zoe. Way to hold her accountable on that, right? Apparently, she heard the message better than her mom did. But anyway, uh, so having talked about small offenses last week, I want to talk about those big offenses. How do we forgive or let go of the big or ongoing offenses that we bump into. See, it's one thing to forgive someone who doesn't wait their turn at a four-way stop. It's one thing to forgive someone who doesn't move over when you're trying to merge onto the interstate. It's one thing to forgive someone who forgets to uh, return your text or your email in a timely manner. But, but what about when someone that you trusted, someone close to you, someone you loved, uh, betrayed you? A little bit different, isn't it? What do we do then? See, that's a, that's a tough one because offenses, offenses always have so many layers to them. Forgiveness is seldom simple, and it's never easy. It's never easy. So I'm, I'm going to let the words of Jesus kind of set the tone as we dive into week two of the grudge and this very difficult topic of forgiving the big offenses of life. Luke chapter 17, Jesus was discussing this very topic with his disciples in the first couple of verses. He was very candid with them, being very honest with them, trying to help them understand that, you know, life on this broken planet, uh, sorry, but yeah, you're, there's going to be hardship, there's going to be pain, there's going to be disappointment, uh, there's going to be times that they would even be betrayed. Um, in fact, one translation says it this way, says that it is impossible, living on this planet in this life, it is impossible that no offenses would come. But he also warned them to make sure that they weren't the, the cause of any of those. He says, look, offenses are going to come. Just make sure you're not the cause of someone else's offense. So we'll pick up there in verse 3, Luke 17. 
So watch yourselves, Jesus says. Watch yourself. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Okay? In other words, let's not pretend like it didn't happen. Let's confront them in a Christ-like manner. Let's deal with it. We're followers of Christ, you know, so we want to try and make things right. Our goal is reconciliation. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to deal with it, and we're going to try to find healing. Then Jesus says something that is incredibly challenging in verse 4 of Luke 17. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Really? I was talking to Stoney at the, after the first service. He's walking out. <laughs> he told me, he said, Pastor, I said, I got to tell you. He said, I, I don't think I could do that seven times. I said, why? He said, because I would have killed him after the third time. <laughs> so this is one of those places, this is one of those places in the Bible where a verse was left out that I need to tell you about. So if you want to get, you know, go ahead and get your pen out. You, you can write the, these down in your notes. It, it's Luke chapter 17, verse 4.1. And it says, and when his disciples heard this, they all fainted. <laughs> Little small fact, you probably didn't know this, but down on the banks of the Meridazine, just north of Rantoul, they found one of the parchments of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And that addition was put in. No, I'm not. I'm just <laughs> kidding that. But it's not far from the truth. Here's actually how they responded. Jesus said, someone sins against you seven times in a day, seven times come back to you. You must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, <laughs> really? Increase our faith, you think? Increase our faith. Isn't that interesting? Lord, increase our faith. The disciples never asked for more faith to cast out demons. The disciples never asked for more faith to pray for the sick. The disciples didn't ask for more faith when Jesus used them to feed the 5,000. The only time, don't miss this, the only time the disciples looked at Jesus and said, hey, we need more faith for that, was when he asked them to forgive. Isn't that interesting? So question, who betrayed you? Who lied to you or who lied about you? Who mistreated you or took advantage of you? Again, last week we talked about letting go of the small offenses, but what, what about those bigger offenses? What about those repeat offenders, right? It's not so easy then, is it? Very, very painful when you've been betrayed by someone you trusted, someone you admired, someone that you loved dearly. So who betrayed you? Was it a roommate? stole something from you? Was it a kid who maybe bullied you or shamed you on social media? Was it a boyfriend or girlfriend who lied to you and then ended up lying about you? Was it a father who, as much as you tried, you could never please? Was it a spouse that you trusted and believed in who betrayed your trust, trust and ended up crushing your heart? Maybe it was an authority figure in your life, someone you admired and trusted, someone who should have protected you, but instead took advantage of you, then had the audacity to make you think it was your fault. I mean, how do you forgive someone like that? Can you even forgive someone like that? Are they even forgivable? 
sometimes, and, and you parents know this, but sometimes it's more difficult to forgive someone who hurts someone you love than when they hurt you. Isn't that right? Years ago when our children were younger and our oldest son Evan was playing in a basketball game, the game was getting a little chippy. During one sequence, the right before halftime, our son Evan had the ball and was going up for a, a, a shot right before the halftime buzzer. And one of the defenders was coming towards him to try to block the shot, and he didn't block the shot, but his momentum carried him into Evan, and I mean wiped him out. Now, the ref didn't call a foul, but I tell you who did, my wife. <laughs> my wife called a foul, and you all know my wife. You know Sue, right? I mean, she's the most mild-mannered, harmless, considerate person on this planet, doesn't have a mean bone in her body, but OMG. When her son got fouled, Mama Bear, she rose up. She started coming down from those bleachers. And I'll tell you what, that refer those referees both took off, made a beeline for the locker room door. Right? So seriously, what do you do? How do you forgive? How do you forgive when you don't feel like forgiving? And for, and for some of us, for a lot of us, it's not for lack of trying. We, we know that we need to forgive. Most of us know enough to know that, you know, we need to forgive someone who's offended us. And we've tried. We've tried to let it go. But when the hurt is so painful, when the cut is so deep, it's hard, isn't it? It's just hard to do that. I thought of this the other day when I was vacuuming our family room. You say, Pastor, you vacuum? Absolutely, I vacuum. I run things around our house. I run the vacuum. I run the dishwasher. I run the dryer. I run the... That's a dad joke, I guess. I... <laughs> 9.30 crowd laughed at it, but I'm, I'm sorry. So uh, I, I, Forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned. So, uh, but anyway, so I'm vacuuming in the family room, and uh, there was a, like a piece of like lint or paper. Couldn't tell exactly what it was. So, you know, I'm going over it, and it, it just kind of moved it, but it wasn't picking it up. So what do you do? You kind of come at it from a different angle, you know, so you come in, you know. So then you come from the opposite side, you know, and it's like, man, you, what's going on here? So finally, reach down, pick it up, and then what do you do with it? You drop that puppy back down, and, by golly, I'm, isn't forgiving like that sometimes? You come at it from all these different angles, right? You know, what's going on here? You pick it up, you drop it back down there, right? This message, it's probably going to be a little painful for some, gut-wrenching and agonizing for some, but I hope you'll understand that God tells us clearly as followers of Christ, we've got to do this, folks. This is something that we have to learn to do. Matthew 5, verse 43, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, here, here's the Apostle Paul's version of, of Matthew 5, 43 and 44. Here's how the Apostle Paul put it. Ephesians 4, verse 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ in Christ God forgave you. But the statement, the statement that really got the Apostle's attention was what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, because that's where he told them the why. 
See, Matthew 5, Jesus tells them, you need to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 6, he tells them why you need to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, verse 15, if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If Jesus didn't have their attention before, he had it now. I guarantee you he had it now. God tells us clearly to forgive. So how do we do that? Well, what, what does it mean to forgive? Well, I think this is one of those times where knowing what forgiveness isn't will kind of help us dial in what it is, all right? So uh, let's go ahead and look at what forgiveness isn't, and then that will help bring clarity to what, what we're talking about when we're talking about forgiveness, the kind of forgiveness that Jesus is talking about here. First of all, forgiveness isn't forgetting. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. To forgive doesn't necessarily mean that you wipe your brain clean, you know, you got a clean slate, you have no memory, no recollection whatsoever of the offense against you. It's not saying that it never happened. It's not sweeping it under the rug. It's not saying that the person that what the person did to you wasn't wrong. It's, it's not saying you have to be a doormat, right, for the rest of your life, that you have to allow that person to continue to abuse you, to continue to hurt you, and you just have to smile, right? and take it for the glory of Jesus, and still send them Christmas cards, and put little heart emoji on their Instagram posts. Right? No, that, that's, that's not what forgiveness is. You can forgive someone and still create healthy boundaries. You can forgive someone and say, yes, I, I, I've let it go, but we need to rebuild trust to get back to where we were before this offense took place. Because of the consequences of that offense, we, we need to build that trust back. We, we can forgive and still need to build a relationship over time. In other words, forgiveness is not always forgetting. All right? The other thing that forgiveness isn't, the type of forgiveness Jesus is talking about here, it's not fair. Sorry, it's not. Forgiveness isn't fair. There's, there's nothing fair about it at all. Let them off the hook for no reason? No, no, pastor, what's fair is to pay them back, right? What's fair is you hurt me, I get to hurt you, right? Hello, don't shout me down. That, that's fair. Someone hurts you, you get to hurt them back, right? I just let you off the hook for no reason after what you did. That's not only not fair, it's unnatural. And you know what? You're right. Because the type of forgiveness Jesus is talking about here, it's not natural. It is super natural. The only way we can do it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you're right, it's not natural. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to forgive in those instances. See, that was Jesus' whole point in the 70 times 7 reference. The absurdity of it punctuated the impossibility of it. On our own, we don't have the capacity to forgive like Jesus forgave us. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can forgive like we should. So, question, when was the last time you prayed for your enemies? When was the last time you prayed for your enemies? I'll tell you when the last time I prayed for my enemies was. Just this past week, going up I-35, got behind a left-lane cruiser, and you know how what I think about left-lane cruisers, right? So, you know, after, after kind of drafting him for a little bit and kind of giving him the hint, hey, move over, you know, give him the thumb roll, you know, he finally got over. So as I passed him, I said, Lord, bless them. 
with a brick <laughs> right upside their head. Right? <clears throat> Years ago, we were uh, serving as youth pastors at a church, and there was a um, couple young people in the youth group who were who were they were they were difficult. Uh, they were manipulative. Uh, there were times that they were just mean to me, really. Frankly, they were just downright mean to me. But they were also related to the pastor. So when I went to talk to him, once I finally got to the place where I, I can't do this. I can't do what you've hired me to do. I cannot minister to these kids with, with this you know, friction, with this pushback. So I went to the pastor, and I talked with him. And he basically admitted that they were problems, but felt like because of his relationship with them, it would make matters worse if he addressed it. So basically, he left it up to me. He said, you're just going to have to deal with this. And I walked out of his office, and, and, I, and I, was, I was furious. I, I was so mad. I was so mad. The next morning in my prayer time, I was praying about that situation. And I just got real with God. And out loud, when I was praying, out loud, I said, God, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. I shouldn't have to deal with this. And I'll never forget what I felt like the Lord told me. It wasn't an audible voice, just one of those deep inner impressions where you feel like the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And this is what he said. He said, do you want fairness or do you want justice? Now, wait a minute. I, I don't know what to make of that statement, Lord. And as I was praying, I had my Bible out and I was reading in the Psalms and I came across this verse, Psalm 103, verse 9. He, talking about God, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. In other words, watch this. In other words, God, God's always just, but he's not always fair. He's always just, but he's not always fair. Think about it. We deserve death. We deserve hell. We deserve punishment. But he gives us grace. See, we're all about fairness, right? God's all about justice. So the next time you're tempted to appeal to what's fair, that's okay. That's okay. God's okay with that. You can do that. Just remember, any conversation with God about fairness takes place at the foot of the cross. So God says, you want to talk about fairness? That's fine. Come on. Come up here. Because we do that. That conversation takes place in the shadow of the cross. So no, dear ones, forgiveness isn't. It's not fair. We like it when God's not fair to us because if God was always fair, then we would get what our sins deserve, right? Forgiveness isn't necessarily the same as forgetting, and forgiveness isn't always fair. So what is forgiveness? What is it? Forgiveness is giving others what God gave us in Christ. Forgiveness is offering to other people the same grace that God has offered to us. Author and theologian Lewis Smedes put it this way, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that prisoner was you. So question, anyone here ever been forgiven for anything? Have you ever experienced grace that you didn't deserve? You know, my, you know why my wife's such a good forgiver? Because I've given her a lot of practice. Seriously, ask her. <laughs> I've given her a lot of practice. That's why she's such a good forgiver. Right? I mean, I've been forgiven of a lot of stuff. I've been forgiven of stealing. I've been forgiven of lying. I've been forgiven of cheating. I've been forgiven of lustful thoughts, having hateful thoughts and doing hurtful things and betraying people. I've been forgiven for all those things throughout the course of my life. And I've experienced grace 
that I did not deserve in each of those instances. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is giving to others the very same thing that our God has given to us. In other words, the gospel isn't just receiving forgiveness. This is what Kyle said. Freely you've received, freely give. That doesn't just apply with finances. More than anything else, that applies with forgiveness. That applies with forgiveness. Right? It's not just being the recipient of the grace of God. It's giving his grace to others. And I'll say it this way, and this is our big idea for this message. Forgiveness is freely received and freely given. Another way to say it would be forgiveness doesn't just flow to us. It flows through us. It has to. Forgiveness has to flow through. It cannot stop with us because if it stops with us, then we're the one that has to pick up the tab, and we can't afford it. We can't afford it. The Bible teaches us that anytime there's sin or an offense that occurs, at that point, a debt has been established. The Bible also teaches us that someone has to pay that debt. Hebrews 9, verse 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And some of you are like, that's, that's what I'm talking about, Pastor. I got a little blood needs to be shed after what they did to me. No, 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 no. You, you're, you're, no, no, no. That's not, that's not, it's not their blood. It's his blood that's been shed, right? Get that straight. Get that straight. Anyone ever had anything stolen from you? That's, that's no fun, is it? And when that happens, you've got a couple options. Number one, you could exact some type of revenge, which could look a lot of different ways. You could sue them. You could take them to court. You could, you could go around telling everyone, everyone how bad and deceitful of a person that they were, and, even, and even, even though it's true, right? But the other option is, and this is hard, this is hard. The other option is you could forgive them. You could just say, let it go. Just, just, just let it go. And by forgiving them, reject your right to demand repayment. But here's the thing. Even then, there's still a debt payment due because you don't have what was stolen from you. See, that's what, that's what makes this topic so stinking hard. Right? Forgiveness, in, in the moment, forgiveness. In real time, forgiveness hurts because we're choosing to take upon ourselves what should be someone else's responsibility. Tim Keller nailed it when he called forgiveness a form of voluntary suffering. He said this, forgiveness is a form of voluntary suffering. In forgiving, rather than retaliating, you make a choice to bear the cost. Now, the good news is we don't incur this debt alone. Choosing to suffer so someone else could be set free. Boy, that story sounds familiar, doesn't it? Hello? Choosing to suffer... So someone else could be set free. Have you heard that before? The reason God asks you to forgive something that seems unforgivable, the reason God asks you to forgive something that isn't fair is because he loves you too much to let you stay in unforgiveness. See, God doesn't ask you to forgive someone else to heal the other person. He asks you to forgive to heal you. In other words, forgiving someone else, the person that betrayed you, the person that lied about you, the person that cheated on you, forgiving them may not set them free, but forgiving someone else always sets you free, always. Why would God ask you to forgive? Because he loves you so much, that's why. So I'm going to give you four things to do, 
and you can access these on the website sermon notes. But I, I, I'm giving these four steps to you with a caveat. Just because I'm giving you these four steps, don't, don't interpret that to mean that, okay, I'm, here, here's the package. Here, here it is. Here, here, here's the antidote for forgiveness. Do steps one, two, three, and four, and you'll be completely healed. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Okay? Forgiveness isn't a magic pill that you take and everything becomes magically all right. Reliving, reliving the weight of past pain doesn't happen all at once. Learning to just let it go, especially on the big offenses, it's, it, it's not a destination. It's a journey, something that we have to do over and over, daily if necessary. So here are some practical steps you can take. Number one, identify what makes your baggage heavier. Deep hurts and betrayals ha always have an emotional trigger that can set us off. So when those happen, don't panic. Don't overreact. When those emotions arise, acknowledge them, own them, take a deep breath, slow down, and identify what made you feel that way. I'm, full disclosure, I, I had an illustration I was going to share from my life where there was a deep hurt, cut thing said, and uh, and. It's funny because, you know, I thought I was over it. I thought I'd let it go. And as I started thinking about that situation in my mind to put it in, man, I, it caught me off guard how much it rose up in me. And it, seriously, I thought, I'm not, I'm not at a place I can share that yet. I'm just being honest. Sometimes they're like that. So keep praying, yes. But I'll tell you what, we all have triggers that set those off. So identify what they are, okay? Identify what they are. Don't overreact. And then once you identify what those emotional triggers are, set boundaries. Set boundaries. Once you identify the factors that trigger your pain or memories of the offense that you're trying to forgive, set boundaries. Some things might still be too emotional, like I said in, in my situation, but you need to set boundaries to guard your heart, to guard your heart. Third thing, identify the emotional triggers, set boundaries, share your story. Share your story. When you forgive and let go of your pain, share your story with someone else. You have no idea the impact that your story can have on others who are going through similar struggles. And believe me, they're out there. Believe me, they're, they're, they're your neighbors. They're your coworkers, all right? And then the fourth thing, identify your emotional triggers, set boundaries, share your story, and then pray for them. Pray for them. It's hard to stay angry at someone if you're praying for them. It's also hard to stay angry unless you feel superior. And it's hard to feel superior when you're praying for them, since in prayer, we all approach God on level ground as forgiven sinners. Identify the emotional triggers, set boundaries, share your story, and pray for them. Forgiveness isn't easy. What's easy is to remain bitter. It takes faith. That's why the apostle, man, we increase our faith, Jesus. We, we need more faith to do this. What does faith do? Faith enables me to see an opportunity for freedom where others only see an opportunity for offense. Faith empowers us. Faith doesn't mean that you feel gracious. It doesn't even mean that you feel excited. In fact, you may not feel anything. Faith activates long before feelings follow, and that's just a, that's the way forgiveness works. If you wait till you feel like forgiving, it'll never happen. It is a step of faith. You make that decision. You choose to do it. I'm choosing faith. I don't feel like it. In my flesh, I'm still angry. In my flesh, I still feel betrayed, but by faith, I'm choosing to offer the same thing that God offered to me through Jesus. Increase my faith. It takes faith to forgive. It takes faith to believe that on the other side of the offense, 
There's something better than holding a grudge. This isn't about how much forgiveness they deserve. It's about how much freedom you desire. But it takes faith to just let it go. Just let it go. It takes faith to say, what you did to me is no longer going to hold me prisoner. It takes faith to say, I'm not going to let your betrayal hold me down, pollute my heart, or poison my soul. Yeah, what you said was wrong. Yeah, what you did was wrong. But I'm not going to let it distract me from God's call on my life. I'm choosing justice over fairness. By faith, I choose to let it go. I'm not a victim anymore. I'm not a prisoner. Yeah, people, it takes faith to forgive. So like the disciples, like the disciples, I'm asking you to make that, pray that prayer. Lord, increase our faith. I want to take just a moment here to address the married couples because if you're married and you're not a good forgiver, you're never going to experience the fulfillment of marriage that God intended you to have. You need to learn to forgive. But what if there's betrayal, Pastor? You know, here's the truth. Some of you probably do have biblical grounds for divorce. Really? Adultery is biblical grounds for divorce, yes. But, but let me remind you of this also. Adultery is also grounds for forgiveness if you'll be open to let God heal you. You can choose to walk away or you can choose to have faith and offer something that someone doesn't deserve. And I can't tell you what to do in your marriage. And you're right, I, I, I don't know your whole story, but here's what I do know. I know that every good marriage is always made up of two good forgivers. Forgiveness doesn't change the past, doesn't change what he or she did, doesn't change the betrayal. What it does is it changes your soul. It changes your soul. It changes your future. What is forgiveness? It is giving to others the very same thing that God has given to us. So again, Luke 17, 5, the apostle said to the Lord, Lord, we need more faith to do that. Increase our faith. By the power of your Holy Spirit, do what we cannot do. Increase our faith to forgive. Those of you who have been significantly betrayed, now's the time to begin the pathway to healing. But you need to take a step of faith. Again, because if you feel if you wait till you feel like forgiving, it, it's just not going to happen. Forgiveness is a decision before it becomes an emotion. Because we don't feel divine forgiveness. We just, by faith, believe it's the right thing to do and take that step and trust Jesus. I said earlier that if you want to talk about what's fair, that that conversation needs to happen at the foot of the cross. So we felt like it would be appropriate to do that, not literally go to the foot of the cross, but come to the Lord's table. For it was at the Last Supper that Jesus gave the most powerful demonstration of choosing to forgive by going around, now think about this, going around and washing all of his disciples' feet, including, don't miss this, including Judas's feet. Folks, if I'm Jesus, I'm skipping right by Judas. You talk about not fair. 
Let's go ahead and take the elements. Let's open up the pump the wafer. Lord, we know that this little piece of wafer here is just symbolic of, of your body that was broken for us. Forgiveness is a tough, tough topic, Lord. So, as people here right now choose to, by faith, pray this prayer, Lord, increase our faith. I pray that you would honor that and give people the faith that they need to take that step and offer to others what was freely offered to them through you by your willingness to do what you did on that last night with your disciples. Luke twenty-two nineteen, and he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and take. Go ahead and open up the other part of the elements. Lord, we know that this juice here is just symbolic of your shed blood. But right now, by faith, I claim the power of that blood on behalf of everyone here, especially those that are really struggling with a, an offense, a grudge, unforgiveness, Lord. When they pray that prayer, increase our faith. Do it, Lord. Do it. Do what only you can do. So we can do what only we can do, which is freely give what you've given us. So I pray, Father, the power of your blood on behalf of everyone here who's taken up an offense that is just hard to let go of. We pray for a supernatural infusion of forgiveness as we partake now in Jesus' name. While your heads are bowed, let me let me pray for you. God, I thank you for a church full of people that will come out on a bitterly cold Sunday morning, prepared to hear your word and let your Holy Spirit do a healing work. And even though, even though it may not seem fair, as we receive grace from you, help us, help us to offer forgiveness to others, knowing that even though it may not change them, it always it always changes us. Increase our faith to forgive as you have forgiven us. And while your heads are bowed, I want to ask if there's anyone here that you're currently not in an ongoing life-giving relationship with Jesus, or maybe, maybe you used to be at one time, but life happened or a hurt, some kind of offense happened, and you just kind of walked away from God or just gradually grew away from Him. Either way, you're not here by accident. You're here by divine design for such a time as this. So I want to lead you in a prayer where you can come to or come back to God, the God who lets you call him Heavenly Father. So if that's you, it would be my honor to lead you in a prayer. And just pray this. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. 
I surrender my life to you right now. I pray that you would save me. I ask you, Jesus, to, to be my Lord. Holy Spirit, fill me so I can follow Jesus, so I can show his love, so I can walk in freedom and forgive others as you have forgiven me. My life is not my own. I give it all to you, and I receive your life in return. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.